I would like to offer a few reflections on the theme of contemplating the mind and uh, opening the heart. If we read uh, a famous uh, ancient scripture, the Dhammapada, we read, like an archer, an arrow, the wise man steadies his trembling mind, a fickle and restless weapon, flapping like a fish thrown on dry ground. It trembles all day. The mind is restless. I think that at the end of a first day of a retreat, these words um, are understood at once. Mm-hmm. Or they, um, we understand them um, even, in, even in a deeper way than we usually do. Um, we, see how, we see how true, how true this aspect, which is not the only aspect of the mind, is. How prominent. And... Um, how many consequences it has, which we might um, be unaware of, or we might um, uh, easily undervalue. So um, we might also say, we would also say that a mind that is neglected Um, is a mind which gets contracted, whereas um, a mind which is well taken care of, a heart which is well taken care of, opens up uh, to our our great relief. My contraction is, is suffering and the openness, even if it's only for a few moments, is peace, is relief. Or mental relaxation, essential. Um, This the first one of the two things we mentioned, uh, contraction, the opposite of, of relaxation, mental contraction, is, a, as we know, a very frequent state uh, of our mind. And uh, it's made of a kind of a, some kind of a chronic dissatisfaction. And there's um, another name of suffering, of dukkha, See what what um, what we call distractions in uh, in uh, contemplative technical language uh, is what our minds do most of the time. Is the wholeness the whole of our minds is distractions? It seems to be a marginal thing, you know. There are distractions, but our mind is distractions constantly going on. 
with a few pauses. And exactly, you know, uh, the, the Dhammapada says the trembling, the trembling mind. Now, within this trembling mind, this fickle mind, are the roots of our basic uh, suffering. So uh, uh, this this uh, um, makes it clear why so much attention is given in uh, this tradition to the mind. The mind runs our lives. So we are again and again we are called to pay attention to our minds. We, we, um, if we don't, if we don't um, have the, the the tools of the practice, we tend to believe that uh, the causes of our ordinary unhappiness are outside ourselves. People, events, um, these are only uh, hooks, so to speak. But the causes for our ordinary and non-ordinary unhappiness are inside. They lie inside. And so what what, uh, 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 needs to to be cured and to be healed is inside. Now, how much do we know and how much do we understand this truth? Generally, we immediately or almost immediately agree. Oh, yes, they're inside, yes, yes. Obviously, the causes are inside. I think that, especially if we if we if we don't have a path, if we if we are not on an inner search, we easily can't even suspect that the causes are inside. We can we can be totally um, blind to this truth. On the other hand, if uh, we've been for a while on a path, um, we might say maybe that we have an intermittent knowledge, uh, an intermittent understanding of this truth. At times, it is obvious to us, um, it's evident, um, we sincerely agree, it's not um, um, in order not to um, appear dharmic enough. Um, but at other times, um, we are very far away from the understanding of this truth. We regress 
and we are completely oblivious. We don't remember. It is not in our mind any longer, this truth disappeared. So it is as though we didn't know it at all. Suffering is another aspect of suffering. Something good which was there now has disappeared and it's not there anymore. How come? We don't know. Impermanence, I guess. Um, and if you notice it, or maybe you, uh, you're lucky enough and uh, this is, hasn't happened to you, but we might even start questioning this truth. Is it, is it true that the causes of our suffering are inside? Uh, maybe we start questioning it. So, uh, the poor me syndrome is extremely subtle and incredibly strong and has many, many aspects and is a major uh, source of suffering. It, 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 it comes up so often. If, um, if we think of the poor me syndrome only in, um, in, uh, in its more dramatic forms, then we can um, fool ourselves. But it has very domestic forms. Um, almost invisible and yet very effective. Very weakening, very blinding. If we are students of Dharma, we know that um, the object for contemplation are not the object of attachment, but attachment itself is the object. Uh, how do you say it? Doesn't matter. It's the object par excellence. Same as far as aversion is concerned, fear. The object is fear. The object is aversion. Th this takes training because we tend to concentrate with, uh, on what uh, we hate, not on our hatred. We tend to concentrate on what we are afraid of, not on our fear. It can sound even abstract. 
we concentrate on what we are attached to rather than on attachment itself. And attachment is the problem. Aversion is the problem. Fear is the problem. And these are energies, these are powers which have some primordial quality in them, if you notice. Because in some sense, desire is there before the desired object, and fear is there before the feared object, and aversion is there before the object of our hatred. So in this sense, they are primordial. And they are, in this sense, the causes of our suffering are inside. We cannot say, no, it is because of that object that my attachment arose. Before, it wasn't there. I had never heard of it. But now, because of you, <laughs> aversion uh, uh, is boiling. It's your fault. As usual, it's your fault. <laughs> uh, the, the, the awesome, the awesome mystery is that aversion was already there. And attachment is already there. And so, therefore, we are called, we are encouraged to work on attachment itself, to work on fear itself, to you know, to face it in a in in, a, in its most uh, immediate and naked form, dropping as much as we can the contents and feeling the energy, feeling the power of uh, these intoxicants. Chitta bhavana is the purification purification of mind. Um, so the, you know, the intoxicants, aversion, attachment, are the problem. It is like, it is reacting uh, with attachment rather than uh, with equanimity, which makes a world of a difference. It's not the, uh, the episode, the fact, the event. That's totally relevant in terms of energy. Now, in, in my experience, and I don't think it's only my experience, it takes quite a long time to begin to understand, to begin to understand this truth. Because we are, we are, our conditioning goes in to the opposite direction. This is what is called in the scriptures upstream. Because that downstream, uh, it's your fault, it's always your fault. Upstream, problem is inside. Um, now, in my experience, meditation and awareness practice are really big helps uh, in, in, in the sense that they bring us back inside, 
it's like you know going back to the breath, going back back to the breath. So we uh, we start finding uh, fault finding outside, and then uh, remember the practice, and we go back inside. Oh, we are sane again for a little while. But then it builds up. And we see that the problem, the problem is inside. And the solution as well is inside. Now, when, when you start um, touching a little bit this area and you start reflecting on it, um, sometimes there is a, 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 um, a sense of uneasiness arises because we can, um, we can barely believe that um, we are, so to speak, the vehicles of so much power. Negative, you know, the problems are inside, and positive, the solution is inside. Uh, this too is uh, is uh, is upstream. It's uh, it's contrary to our um, mm, uh, usual convictions and beliefs. Uh, we we uh, see ourselves at, as usually as little nothings going around, and here we see all this, all this power, all this negative power, and but also all this positive power. We get suspicious. You know, maybe this Asian stuff is, is, should be some inflation and uh, uh, religions, spirituality. Maybe we start thinking of the good old times where we had nothing to do with these things <laughs> and we uh, led a quiet life and... Uh, without being scared by our reflections. <clears throat> but then, uh, because of impermanence, this goes away too. <laughs> and we are back in front of this truth. Uh, and we accept it more. And we see that it's helpful. And we see that uh, the practice uh, has very much to do with the uh, with with uh, uh, um, our deepening the understanding of uh, what we've been talking about, crucial. The slowness in understanding these things has also to do with the fact that confidence builds up slowly. Confidence in the practice. Confidence in these big things tend to build up um, slowly. But the Buddha um, had told us this is uh, the Udana. And uh, it says monks, there are eight things with uh, respect to this Dhamma and discipline that are a marvel, that are unprecedented. 
upon repeatedly seeing which the monks take delight in this Dhamma. What eighth? I'm going to, to tell you just one. <laughs> just as monks, the great ocean progressively slopes, progressively tends, progressively inclines, is no sudden precipice at all, so in that very same way, monks, are there in this Dhamma progressive trainings, progressive practices, there being no sudden penetration of supreme knowledge. That there are monks in this Dhamma, progressive trainings, progressive practices, there being no sudden penetration of supreme knowledge, is monks the first thing with respect to this Dhamma and discipline that is a marvel, that is unprecedented, upon repeatedly seeing which the monks take delight in this Dhamma. Now, why on earth should the monks take delight in this fact? I think the emphasis on the graduality of the path means that the path is accessible. On another occasion, the Buddha is even more open. He says, it is possible, monks, otherwise I wouldn't have told you. So, gradual, but can be very gradual. It, it, it is the opposite of what we want. We want things uh, quickly and smoothly. Uh, we're not very patient. Have you noticed it? We are not very patient. Uh, retreat shows um, many <clears throat> aspects of our impatience. So, uh, gradual has nothing to do with impatience. And the monks, the monks understand, at least the, mon the Buddha, the monks we were with the Buddha, uh, are delighted when they hear this truth being proclaimed. So they, they, they see that the path is accessible. And they understand that the speed uh, is not a major factor. The, the, uh, the truth has to do with the fact that there is an ocean and that this ocean is accessible. The Dhamma is the ocean. Yeah, again, we can be completely blinded by our attachment, you know, by wanting things immediately, our way. Now, again, I think that contemplating the restlessness of our mind is a, a very good avenue to get to a better understanding of our suffering. See, in the um, vision of the different degrees of liberation, at each level of liberation, 
there are a number of shackles, a number of obstacles which are dropped. Restlessness is the last but one to go. Only an archant get rid of restlessness and then of ignorance. The restlessness um, um, is a, a, a major a major part of our suffering, of our dukkha. It is important to understand that it is the conditioned mind which is restless. Uh, this is different from thinking, my mind is restless. The conditioned mind is restless. If we think that, our, that my mind is restless, uh, this can be very discouraging. It's like thinking that we have a rare sickness, a rare illness. doesn't help at all. Is a, is a, a major aspect of human suffering, the mental restlessness. Major. Agitation, anxiety, obsessiveness, excitement, uh, you know, um, addiction to thinking for the sake of thinking, you know. So many forms of uh, agitation and restlessness. Um, uh, running after that memory again and again. Uh, restlessness. Resting in restlessness. Sometimes... This is a good definition of uh, meditation. It is not a, uh, it is not a deliberate rest, but basically we uh, marinate with, uh, let's see, we marinate with restlessness. And we are so used to it that we find it absolutely normal. Uh, Ajahn Mahabua, um, a very great, Thai master and Larry and myself uh, uh, practiced with him a number of years ago. He was fond of saying, "Sometimes you are uh, sleeping, and there is a tiger in your room. You open your eye and say, "Oh, this is just a dream," and keep sleeping, but the tiger is there." Ah, uh, of course, we wouldn't we wouldn't make such examples, but in Asia they do, and. Uh, <laughs> Where, where there are tigers. <laughs> um, so we, 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 um, we are so used to mental restlessness that we lose sight of, um, of, of its weight, of its implications of its dangers. Like a tiger is dangerous and uh, restlessness is very dangerous. But it seems that all people have a restless mind. So what? 
is a shared suffering. Is this so consoling? It also makes it bigger. The fact that everyone is together in, 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 uh, in, in this painful situation. Um... At, at some point, we see that peace, even a little bit of peace, has, has um, an opening effect. Whereas, whereas restlessness makes our mind contracted, tense. And that's the suffering. It's the opposite of relaxation. This constantly being tense for one reason or other. And we also start seeing when bits of peace uh, become a little more frequent that our restlessness our contraction thrives on a passive attitude that we have. Passive, uh, maybe it's not enough. How can we say blocked, frozen, paralyzed? You know, suppose... Suppose something happens and we and we get disappointed. Passive means that we are firmly convinced of the truth of all the thoughts that our mind generates when it's frustrated. We don't question. We don't question those thoughts. So we are passive. We are passive recipient of those thoughts. And if we have, as is often the case, a long history of receiving those thoughts unquestioned, without questioning them, they get stronger and stronger. The power gets stronger and stronger. More suffering. Passive means that we believe that we have no choice except totally, wholeheartedly believing those thoughts. That's the passive attitude. Fat fatalistic, do you say that? Yeah, it's very, we are very fatalistic. Uh, you know, we can also frame our feelings with, uh, with grand statements like such as life, you know, life is like that. If we practice, we realize that when we do so, we are fooling ourselves. 
and maybe maybe we have a, a long history of fooling ourselves, is a form of avidja, if you, you prefer classical language. <laughs> Instead of fooling ourselves, we can say that we are overwhelmed by our avidja. It's the same. Um, on the other hand, practice means to be active inside. Instead of being blocked, paralyzed, learning how to be active inside. Like, for instance, actively uh, using that example of our being disappointed, actively exploring and feeling the energy of disappointment, actively exploring the quality of thoughts coming from that disappointment, actively exploring and feeling our total um, obedience to, to those thoughts. This is being active, inner Innerly, interiorly active. But again, this is upstream. We tend to be passive. We tend to be fatalistic. This is life. Who said it? We. We decided. So... Uh, we're talking about learning, learning to listen to our pain. Actively, actively listen. Actively listening to our pain. Why actively? What, 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 what does actively mean in this context? Dropping our judgments again and again. Now we listen. And we drop our judgments. We listen to our pain and the thoughts that it generates. But we listen purely, as much as we can. And this means dropping our judgments. And this means again and again. Why? Because they come back. We drop judgments. Short relief, judgments come back. We drop them again. Is it, you know, practice is a challenge. I don't remember uh, last night. We, we, we don't remember we saying now we're going to do something very easy. It's not easy. It's challenging. Remember, I think I, I, I mentioned at the Gospels where they said, and don't get tired. Pray and don't get tired. So actively listening to our pain, dropping again and again our judgments, which are a big part of dukkha, a big part of the pain. But we don't see it if we don't do this practice. If we don't drop the judgments, if we leave the judgments in place, we don't realize the incredible amount of uh, suffering that they bring, that they create. 
Roman says that one uh, starts understanding uh, 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 an illness only when um, the healing begins. So we should uh, get into the practice to understand the strength of our suffering. Isn't it a good reason to practice? Now, when 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 we talk about um, in a traditional way, when we talk about Dharma practice, uh, often uh, it is said Dharma practice is ethics, sila is generosity, dana and this uh, meditation bhavana. I feel if we think of it, each of this um, area, each of these areas, uh, is based on renunciation, nekamma. You can't uh, develop any ethics if you don't renounce a number of uh, behaviors. You cannot develop any generosity if you do not renounce uh, the tendency to keep everything for ourselves. And, no less important, we cannot develop meditation if we do not learn to renounce, to let the mind uh, go all over the place uh, incessantly. So renunciation is crucial. Unfortunately, we um, associate this word with deprivation. Now, this has nothing to do with deprivation. And it's, uh, in the scriptures, it is illustrated in a very beautiful way. Uh, it is said that um, confidence, sadda, trust, confidence, and nekamma, are, and renunciation, confidence and abandoning, are two sides of the same coin. Sadda, confidence, is what leads us to cultivate what is wholesome. For instance, compassion. Nekamma, abandoning, is, is what uh, uh, leads us to abandon what is unwholesome, for instance, attachment, aversion. But they uh, support each other. Sadda, confidence, supports nekamma, abandoning, and nekamma, you know, letting go, supports uh, confidence, sadda. They are two aspects of wisdom. They are wisdom you know, cultivating the wholesome and abandoning the unwholesome. Sadda and Nekama. This is why the Buddha more than once um, talks of the joy of renunciation. Nekamarati. Now, if we don't understand uh, uh, the, these aspects we're talking about, we, we don't understand 
what on earth he means when he says the joy of renunciation. Some, some distorted um, religious stuff. It is not. It is very logical. The joy of abandoning what is harmful. If, if something like that is uh, joyless for us, something is wrong with us, So, um, confidence in what is good and abandoning what is harmful are just two sides of the same coin, one supporting the other. Uh, Remember, we mentioned our, at the core of our suffering, this passive attitude, this fatalistic attitude. Now, nekamma, abandoning, means abandoning this passive attitude. Gradually, gradually, slowly, abandoning this passive attitude. And more and more landing in what is called in this tradition appamada. Appamada, we might uh, translate the caring and careful attitude towards whatever has to do with the practice. Caring and careful. And uh, in uh, the teachings of the Buddha, Appamada is emphasized many, many times. You know, uh, basically it's a realization of the preciousness of the practice is the consequence of realizing how precious the practice is. And so we take good care, more and more we take good care of the practice. Many of you, I'm sure, remember uh, the words that the tradition um, has the Buddha say when he dies, work at your liberation with appamada, with great care, um, carefully and caringly. This is is the opposite of um, uh, passive and... um, um, fatalistic. This is active, attentive, discerning, and and caring, which adds a warm note. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning of uh, these reflections the the expression contemplating, contemplating the mind. Now, Appamada, I believe, has very much to do with the right way of contemplating, of observing our mind and its knots, which is contemplating gently, contemplating tenderly 
uh, our mind. And it's not. You know, the, the, the healing element is in the Appamada, is not just um, indifferent observation, maybe, you know, accurate, but basically indifferent. Uh, it's equanimous, but equanimous as a positive accent. Sometimes it's, it's misunderstood, um, basically as indifferent. So there is a, a gentle way of observing our mind. And the, in that gentleness, in that tenderness, there is the healing element. And it's something that we have to learn and relearn gradually, slowly, many, many times, because often we are either indifferent or aversive if we watch our minds. Either we get bored or we get very, we get very judgmental. This has to be changed completely. You know, having a, um, this caring and careful attitude while uh, contemplating our mind, which is what, run, what runs our lives. Gently tenderly. <laughs> Sometimes people think that these are sentimental words and that they are out of place when we talk about wisdom. I don't think so. I, I would I actually add some more. Absolute tenderness, absolute gentleness. What do I mean by that? Generous, without reservation. Because if we have reservation, we are still a little bit tense. We are still a little bit contracted. So, being aware, being aware, being present, as much as possible, dropping the intoxicants without intoxicants. And what happens is that if we drop intoxicants, we don't fall into a void, but we meet the opposite of the intoxicant, which was hidden by the intoxicant. If we drop hate, we don't have to walk for years in a no-man's land before meeting the opposite of hate. If we really dropped hatred, its opposite is there. It's always, it's always been there. was hidden by hatred.
So may we all continue to practice and may we all continue to purify our minds for the benefit of uh, each and all of us. Let's sit for five minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.